What's up, everything? The playoffs have started in the only hockey country that really matters, America, and the Blues have fallen 4-1 to to the Colorado Avalanche in Game 1 of the first round. But was this game, in fact, like Darren Pang said, closer than the score led on? I'll share my thoughts ahead in this late-night solo podcast, so let's get started and let's go sleep deprivation. guys one cup podcast it is tuesday may 18th technically as i record this at about 12 20 a.m and i am here solo uh ian is currently uh on monday time in hawaii sometime monday night or monday evening in hawaii and um we're gonna try and find some time to record later this week but couldn't make it happen tonight uh, and weren't sure about tomorrow, so I thought I would go ahead and give some thoughts on Game 1 in what will, you know, probably be a shorter, quicker podcast. Obviously, anyone who listens to me solo is uh, a trooper, so thank you all for tuning in. And uh, just to let you know, and I don't know for sure that it will have an effect, but um, I'm going through a move right now, and I'm recording uh, in our normal studio room but it is much emptier than it has been uh less furniture and stuff to dead noise so if i sound a little more echoey or anything i apologize hopefully the new mic will make up for that uh, but you'll just have to tell me so i uh, wanted to talk about tonight's game and honestly I, I, I there may be points where i get fiery and and yell about stuff and and all that but i'm not sure it's going to be that kind of uh, Hellfire and Brimstone podcasts like some of the solo ones I've done in the past because fundamentally I think the story of this series, and of course we're only one game into it, but the story of this series, if it goes, if it plays out like game one played out, is simply going to be that the Avalanche are a better team than the St. Louis Blues. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, there's just the reality of, of sports. Sometimes you run up against a really good team and sometimes you lose to really good teams and that's okay. The Avs, you know, to me aren't just a good team for a particular season. They're, they're a historically good team uh, with really an, an incredible roster of high-end talent a world-class player, probably the second best player in the world in my estimation, who is being paid 35 to 40% of his market value uh, that's allowed them to build a team of incredible talent around him with some really lopsided trade returns, particularly in the Matt Duchesne trade. Uh, got Devin Tays for a steal, got Nazem Kadri, uh, who did not get suspended tonight. So good for him. Great job. I uh, didn't even hear his name, so I don't know if he was um, maybe injured or missing, uh, which could explain why he didn't get suspended, but uh, I assume he was out there. I'll have to take a look at the uh, rosters here in a minute. But yeah, the Avalanche have a team that are heavy favorites in this Stanley Cup 
playoffs, and tonight we got a taste of, of why that is. And I thought coming into the series that the Blues might be a threat to the Avs because the Blues play that grinding physical style at times and are able to utilize the, uh, shall we say, flexible rule calling of the postseason to really wear on their opponents and, and break them down over the course of a series. And maybe we'll still see that play out, but it certainly didn't seem like we were seeing enough of that in Game 1 to uh, have a lot of optimism going forward. And to me, this just wasn't a close game. It wasn't ever really a close game. The Blues looked okay at the start, looked okay in stretches of the second period as well, but then the wheels just kind of fell off, and, and after that opening goal early in the third uh, there was nothing, nothing left, and there wasn't a lot of uh, a lot still to hope for as that game progressed. But let's rewind all the way back to the beginning. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko was back in this game and looked really good in the first period. Uh, kind of faded away later on, but made his presence known. Had a couple of great scoring opportunities, including one that I couldn't believe that he didn't bury uh, early in the first. So good to have him back, of course. Uh, but the trade-off is that Blues leading point scorer David Perron, which I'm never going to get tired of saying, did uh, miss this game because he's on the COVID list, which could, of course, mean he ends up missing basically the entirety of the series. We'll have to see how that plays out, how long the series goes. Uh, Jake Wallman also still out because of that. And I believe Nathan Walker uh, would be as well, although, you know, probably not a guy that's going to be on the playoff roster. Uh, but that certainly hasn't helped the Blues going up against a team with a lot of talent uh, to be missing their best point scorer. So that was uh, a tough loss entering the game. Uh, and then already meager offense was even more shorthanded without Perron. Uh, but even so, early in the first, the Blues looked pretty good. Bennington had a couple of big saves to keep us in it. Uh, and it stayed, it looked pretty even until late in the first period. Kale McCarr got his opening goal. Well, I guess his only goal, but the opening goal for the Avs. 15 minutes in, 15-15 into the first on a power play goal. This was pretty simple. Rantanen won a face-off to Makar. Bozak glided out to meet him, and Makar simply juked around him, shoots, and scores. This is one of those one of those times where uh, you just realize that the Blues don't have a single player as skilled as, as Kale Makar, uh, who is no more than the second most skilled Avalanche player, uh, and maybe even further down the list than that. They... Um, they're not going to win this series with skill. They're not going to win it with luck either. They're going to have to really grind on these uh, avalanche players, and they certainly didn't do that enough tonight. Um, Jordan Bennington was really the story of this game through the first two periods. Uh, by 12.50 left in the second, the Blues were being outshot 22-9. to Ryan Graves had a clear delay of game penalty, but the Blues did nothing on the power play. Uh, and then there was a play where Rantanen and someone, I forgot to go back and look who, uh, were in on an absolute 2-on-0 on Bennington in front of the net. Rantanen got it delayed enough uh, to throw Bennington and force him to come down, and Bennington somehow got his pad up and made the save. An incredible kick save, really a highlight real uh, save to be sure, and something we'll probably see a lot in this playoff uh, in this series. And, you know, 
whatever the biggest positive I think you can take from this game is that whatever uh, demon had possessed Jordan Bennington last season uh, during the bubble, clearly not um, something that he's going to wrestle with going forward. That has been exercised completely, if you will. So that's positive and, and promising to see. Uh, Bennington's lateral movement tonight really stood out to me. Um, he made a lot of side-to-side plays really quickly and with a lot of uh, composure, which has not always been the strongest part of his game. And I think that's a, a positive and a negative that I noticed it. It's a positive because he was doing it, and that's obviously good. It's a negative because the Avs were making effortless, effortless cross-zone passes all the time uh, and therefore giving me a lot of opportunities to see it. The uh, Avs were out shooting us 27 to 11, seven minutes left in the second period. Typical of that Baruby style of hockey. Uh, we'll talk about that here at the end when I do some takeaways. The Blues were not stopping any zone entries. I don't know if they stopped a zone entry the entire game, uh, but they did have a couple of great chances. One was Hoffman stealing the puck from Graves, getting a wraparound, completely fooling Grubauer, having a wide-open net to backhand it, and Ryan Graves, who is <laughs> like the fourth or fifth best defenseman on that team, got back to dive and, and block the puck out of uh, the net and keep... Hoffman from scoring a, basically what would have been an empty netter. I mean, this is uh, the Avalanche defense doesn't get a lot of focus, uh, I think, just because McKinnon, really that top line is so star-laden. But this is a defense of Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard, uh, Bowen Byram, um, Devin Taves, who's otherworldly good. His, uh, his metrics are off the charts. He's an insanely good defenseman. Uh, and then Ryan Graves, who's just f- phenomenal. You know, he's like, I don't even know. He's just that guy that doesn't, he's kind of like a Joel Edmondson where he's not flashy in any way, but he does everything well. And, you know, he's probably substantially better even than than Joel Edmondson. I think he led the league in plus minus last year. He's just really, really good. Um The Avs have a lot of those guys that are unsung heroes, but are just really, really good role players to go along with their superstars. Uh, Valerie Nachushkin is another guy. You know, I was talking to Avs correspondent Jordan the other day, and he was pointing out that when Valerie Nachushkin is on the ice, I think it was Nachushkin. It might have been Burkowski, but I'm pretty sure it was Nachushkin. Uh, you know, he's the only person that's going to shoot the puck. The opposing team is never going to shoot the puck because his shot suppression numbers are off the charts. Um, and, you know, it's it's just such a deep team. And, and having that McKinnon contract obviously helps that. Uh, they're already going to face some major challenges this summer with getting Landis Cog and, and uh, McCarr re-signed if they can get both re-signed. So... In the NHL, in the salary cap era, no super team can last forever, uh, but a team like the Avs is, is really fun to watch, and it's just kind of unfortunate that uh, we may be watching them uh, kind of run over us for the next three to 
however many games. Uh, but the Blues did have their highlight here shortly after that missed attempt by Hoffman. Um, Jordan Cairo, Ivan Barbashev, and, and Rob Thomas combined on a goal that was really, really nice. Bortuzzo won a puck battle in our zone, sort of. I think there was some controversy here because he maybe held somebody. I didn't uh, go back to focus on that. If it happened, of course, it happened, and I have no trouble believing that Robert Bortuzzo would commit a minor penalty, believe it or not. But uh, Thomas, either way, escaped with the puck, and Barbashev and Kairou uh, were moving up with him on a three-on-two, but it didn't really seem like there was an opportunity there, kind of crowded over to the right side of the ice and not a lot of space to work in. But Thomas uh, made a really nice pass, and it wasn't flashy or anything. It was just functional um, in that it spun Gerard around and took him basically out of the equation entirely and got Barbashev into position behind him so that it then was a two-on-one with Barbashev and Kairou instead of that kind of weird lopsided three-on-two uh, that was imbalanced and didn't give the Blues much of an opportunity. Uh, and then with uh, it being two-on-one, Barbashev backhanded a pass to Kairou and Kairou one-timed at home with authority. It was a beautiful goal from Kairou really. Um, when we look back on the season, whether it ends in three games or 27, and we win another Stanley Cup, I think Jordan Cairo is going to be one of the really bright, positive spots um, for this team. I think he's a guy that graduated from being a really promising prospect, but one who you hadn't seen put it together at the NHL level uh, yet to probably, I would say, being maybe even more untouchable than Robert Thomas in that he's just a he's a fixture in your top six going forward it looks like with his speed and his uh, goal scoring I didn't expect him to be as good of a shooter as he is I thought he'd be more of a playmaker but he's uh, got a wicked shot as well just a really great player and that takes nothing away from the other two guys both of whom made uh, really impressive plays here as well it's, it's a nice Nice goal uh, off the rush in transition, the kind of goal you don't see the Blues score a ton of, um, and you love to see it. Um, that was, the unfortunately, the end of the positive vibes for the Blues, but uh, the uh, Avs did get a chance from Tyson Jost, who got an opportunity to backhand it off of Bennington back, Bennington's back backhanded off of Bennington's back as a fun tongue twister uh, as he was flying past both Mikola and I think Kairou jumped in to make sure it stayed out. It was a good team play, good awareness there. The period ended uh, and I felt like the Blues had no business even being in the game, let alone having it tied at that point. Uh, and it seemed like that kind of game where they just had to f go out and find a way to reward their goalie for uh, the performance he'd given them through two periods, sort of similar to uh, some Jake Allen performances in that series against the Wild a couple years ago. Uh, and let me just quickly pause to manifest, manifest prime playoff Jake Allen against the Toronto Maple Leafs so that he could steal a series away from them. That would be... Mmm, so delicious, much like the DiGiorno pizza that sponsors tonight po tonight's podcast. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. That's not true. They don't sponsor this podcast. Uh, but, you know, pretty decent frozen pizza if you're into that sort of thing. And who isn't when a hockey game ends at 12 midnight and some maniac is still doing a solo podcast? Everybody could go for pizza at that point. Uh, thank you, as always, to Gary Bettman for costing me sleep. I'm sure my boss will be understanding uh, when he fires me in the morning. Anyway, moving on. The third period, 
Wow, uh, this is where the wheels fell off the wagon. Um, the Blues needed to come out and make a strong statement and prove that they were a better team than they were showing in the first two periods and back up their goalie, support him for what he'd given them, and they immediately concede. And they concede a pretty ugly goal. We'll break this one down in a little bit of... Uh, with a little bit of detail, because I really think it shows uh, some of the problems for the Blues. Um, obviously, you can watch the clip, you've probably seen the clip, but Rantanen fights off Scandella uh, as he slides the puck into the zone. Um, Scandella not only doesn't prevent the puck from entering the zone, uh, he hardly slows down Ranton and he's later going to get into position to you know, put the puck, get the primary assist on this net, on this goal. Um, so the puck enters there, uh, Landis Cog picks it up and he fights off Pareko and then Scandella who come to get the puck from, uh, him and they can't, uh, overpower the big Swede and he gets the puck behind the net to Rantanen. And at that point, it's just a, a really beautiful one-time, two-time to McKinnon, uh, from behind the net, Gretzky's office, you might say, uh, to McKinnon, who one-times it to the back of the net from in front. Uh, McKinnon is obviously insanely good. He manages to risk that exactly under the bar with just zero space, and it really was a sight to behold. Um, Bennington was in the reverse VH here, but I don't think it really mattered. I don't think there was a way he could have been in position to stop a, a shot that precise. Um and to me, that goal was just kind of emblematic of how out of our league the Avs are, or vice versa. Uh, that was theoretically our best defensive pairing, our quote-unquote shutdown defensive pairing. Uh, and our, the Avs offense just picked us apart. And it wasn't even with flashy skill or incredible passing or beautiful maneuvering. It was by fighting off checks and we weren't doing enough to contain them. Um, and sure, that's an effort thing, but it's also the reality that all three of the Avs top forwards, but especially Landis Cog and Rantanen, are physical players as well as highly skilled players, and they can fight off checks uh, as much as they can find great passes and uh, manage great deflections, as we'll see from Landis Cog here in a minute. Um, more and more as I go through this series, I think Gabriel Landis Cog is a player that I'm really going to covet for the Blues um, as he approaches free agency. Of course, uh, the dollar value would have to be right, and it probably won't. Um, but he just brings so much to the team, and he has that fiery leadership style that we kind of lack, with all due respect to O'Reilly. Uh, I just think he'd be a great asset. And if the Blues aren't going to kind of step back and admit a little bit of defeat and rebuild for a year or two, retool more than rebuild, um, then, you know, he's the kind of guy that I'd like to see us kind of immediately go back to war with. Um, and we see that on his goal, which is uh, exactly eight minutes later in game time, uh, a beautiful tip and Tay's got the puck cut through the neutral zone on a pose, send it, sent it behind Ranton and got it sp- Spun it around to Gerard, who's usually the spinny man himself, but it was Ranton in this time who flings it up the board to Gerard. Uh, Gerard passes it into McKinnon, who took the big slapper, and Landis Cog had a, uh, don't make me say it, I'm going to say it anyway, cover your ears if you're sensitive, a Joe Pavelski esque deflection in front. And Joe Pavelski, let me say, 
is so underrated at deflections, even though I'm currently using him as a comparison for a really good deflection by a completely unrelated player in a completely unrelated game. Uh, I just need to take a moment to emphasize that uh, Joe Pavelski is extremely underrated at deflections. He's also underrated at making the playoffs, which the Stars didn't do this season, but alas, uh, they were in the Stanley Cup final last year, so that's got to count for something, right? The Blues got entirely outplayed in the third period. They had some shots, but you know, a typical of the Blues. Something I'll really break down in a minute. Just not good enough uh, offensively. Not good enough chances. Um, McKinnon scored the mercy-killing goal uh, with 40 seconds left in the empty net. Just the elite speed, and he was completely on his own by the end of it. Um, and that was that. Let's do a quick scan of Twitter. Um, and see what the people are saying, mostly the people being uh, Blues people, because I um, want to get some tweets from Baruby and O'Reilly and the gang, whoever is um, available. Uh, the one quote I'm seeing is Ryan O'Reilly, uh, if it wasn't for Benny Benner, it would have been messy early. Well, that's true, but it doesn't tell us a whole lot. Um, and Jeremy Rutherford uh, has a couple of quotes. Uh, Barubi, we've got to do a better job. We lost numbers a lot of times tonight. Uh, let them come down on the rush with odd man numbers against us. It's tough, but we'll be better. We've got to manage the puck better, and our execution wasn't good tonight. Barubi on McKinnon's 2-1 goal. Yeah, it's a breakdown. It's preventable. We can prevent that. Both goals in the third period were preventable, in my opinion. Benner was great tonight, and we'll be better in front of him. Uh, and then O'Reilly on trying to slow down the McKinnon line. It was very tough. They played very well, came at us with a lot of speed. Yeah, duh. Uh, and it was difficult to generate anything and get momentum. Yeah, they played well. I think they were by far the better team tonight, which really kind of puts the uh, exclamation point on um, really the whole thing. Um, they were the much better team tonight. And they proved it by winning four to one, and that's okay. I think, I think the reason I'm not that fired up, honestly, and I may do that. I may get there as I go through these takeaways here, but I'm kind of okay with just losing to a better team. It's much preferable than losing to a team that you know that you can beat and not putting forth the effort. Uh, on the other hand, this wasn't the Blues' best effort. Um, they got outshot more than 2-1, to 50-23. to 23. That's uh, shameful in a playoff series. Everything else was pretty close. 21 hits isn't the kind of physicality you need uh, to um, slow down the avalanche. And 19 block shots uh, is just a concerning tale for how many shots they did get on net. That's 69. <laughs> nice. Uh, shooting attempts uh, just there with blocks and um, shots on goal, let alone missed attempts and so forth. Uh, and the Avalanche had a heavily uh, favored in the Corsi 4 battle uh, at all strengths, even more so at even at 5-on-5. Five five. Um, the high danger chances at all strengths were 16-5. to five. And the expected goals were 4.61 to 1.59. Um, that's a team that's vastly better than you. And 
I don't, I'm not calling anyone out in particular, and I'm really not, because I genuinely have no individual person in my mind right now. But there was a sort of, a lot of like long series left to go, a lot of, a lot of hockey left to be played, uh, searching for positives here. Darren Pang certainly did it on the broadcast. That just feels really unnecessary to me. I mean, Darren Pang has to, right, because it's his job to keep viewers on the TV, and I get that. But like, I don't understand this element of Blues Twitter with love and respect that both is like, well, they they could have been better tonight, but it wasn't that bad. But also, if we lose, they're going to like not... If we lose the series, if we get swept, they're not going to be like upset or feel anything. We talked about that a little bit last time. The thing to me is like, it's great... It's great. It's really okay that you're playing a better team and you might lose. I'm really fine with that. But then you have to acknowledge that they're still going to be in your division next year and they're still going to be a much better team and Vegas is still going to be a much better team. Um, And you're not guaranteed to be all that much better than Nashville or Dallas when they're healthy or Chicago or even Arizona who are going to be in your division next year and gave you fits this year. Um, and so I think you just have to acknowledge that and decide your strategy because continuing down this road is just going to be more disappointment. So you either have to find something really, really daring, like, you know, a Jack Eichel trade, not saying that's likely or even possible, but something on that level that really redefines who you are immediately and changes your team, or you have to kind of take a step back and admit that you need a couple of years to get back to that level and sort of build as uh, Kairou and Thomas ascend to their prime and go from there and Costin as well, hopefully, um, maybe get him, uh, you know, kind of into the lineup for some of these games. He was the guy that dropped for Tarasenko. um, But there are a lot of people on this team that aren't adding a whole lot to the lineup, in my opinion. Zach Sanford um, comes to mind. Kyle Clifford. Um, So, you know, I I don't see why having Hoffman out there, who just won uh, a Stanley Cup kind of playoffs, um, would be that big a deal. Um, but, you know, it's it's kind of a decision you have to make about one, one, are you okay not being as good as other teams in your division? Maybe you're okay being a four or third place team and being bounced early in the playoffs. The Cardinals have done that for a lot of years and have been fine with it. Um, and this year, you know, they're, they're better. So, um, because they had a superstar fall into their lap and that's really cool. I don't know why this became a angry rat against John Mazalak. It's late and I'm alone. Um, but you know, you can, you, you really can be the team that's just competitive, but not really, uh, in the Stanley cup hunt, but I don't think your fans want that. Uh, you can be the team that's aging and slowly getting worse and refusing to acknowledge that, and that's how you become the Red Wings or the uh, Kings and have to go through a really long, nasty, ugly, ugly rebuild. 
Or you can be the team's team that is like the Rangers were, at least until about two weeks ago, who kind of admits, I don't think you have to do it to that scale, but kind of admits where they are and, and takes a step back and, and rebuilds and retools for a couple of years. And the Blues have already done that. They already did it with the Shattenkirk year and the Shin and the Schwartz year. Those two years are what created the opportunity for us to win a cup. So it's not outside of uh, Dougie's wheelhouse. He just has to make that decision. Of course, there's a lot of series left to be played. And of course, the Blues could turn into a totally different team than we've seen all season and suddenly be good enough to beat the Avalanche. I just don't see why anyone has anyone expects me to pretend like that's likely. So um, let's go through a couple of takeaways from this game and then we can call it a night um, because you've already listened to almost a half hour of me. Boy, I can talk. Um, and speaking of talking, our podcast tonight is brought to you by uh, American Podiums, the number one source for podiums uh, from debate class to political events. American Podiums, call 511 Stump to get your podiums. Uh, this game uh, really to me was the stark reality of the Blues. The Avs are a far better team, as I said, that's partially because. As I said earlier, they're a historically great team uh, to me, not just a pretty good team, but it's also because the Blues, to me, are a very fringe playoff team who probably would not have made it in the East or Central um, and would have been, you know, probably the number two seed in the East North because Canada sucks. Uh, the Blues' defense is a mess. They aren't good enough at anything to me. They're just, they need an identity more than they need a, a bloodletting. They need to figure out who their leader is and who's doing what role. Um, if they're going to play Justin Falk and Tori Krug's style and be offensive, that's fine, but then play that um, and be more aggressive um, or find a way to be more shut down, but then you have the wrong personnel for that. So that the whole defense is just kind of, it's like a weird chimera, but not intimidating in any way, and it needs to be reexamined. They're very jack-of-all-trades, master of none. I can't remember if I said that already. If I did, you got it twice. Um, they were especially bad on zone entries, which, of course, it's the avalanche, so that's one half of that equation, but still, yikes. Um, and the Blues offense, of course, really isn't good enough. Uh, it's not creative. It can't finish the chances it does get. The power play was silent. I feel like I rant on this all the time now, but I'm just going to keep doing it until he's not here anymore. Baruby's shot quality over shot quantity uh, strategy is a total failure. It's a complete failure when you are worst in the league in expected goals for and worst in the league at high danger chances. You are are not a good offense and your offensive strategy needs to be heavily re-examined. When you are outshot two to one, more than two to one in a playoff game, you need to seriously re-examine your offensive strategy. It's not good enough. And what baffles me about it is that the Blues don't have the personnel to make that strategy work. And it also, 
doesn't seem like Craig Berube's style. It's like he's a chimera a little bit in being this grumpy old physical grindy four-checky man, uh, grumpy old old-time hockey man, which is fine in a lot of ways. But then having this one element of his game where it's like, but you have to pick the really pretty passes and perfect shots uh, and get these ideal goal-scoring opportunities when this is a team that, for better or worse, is built to pour pucks on net and... Uh, you know, try to find opportunities. I don't think they're built for that, which is part of the bigger problem that I think they're not built for really anything. They don't have an identity. They're just kind of uh, a half Stanley Cup winning, half new transition-y team with a half and half coach who's not very good at either one. And that's kind of Doug Armstrong's task now is to figure out where he wants to go from here. But I, I, I don't think this idea of finding these perfect opportunities uh, to score goals when you've got guys like Devin Taves and Ryan Graves, <laughs> that rhymes, and uh, Kale McCarr and Sam Gerrard, hey, that kind of rhymes. Wow, that's, oh, that's fun. <laughs> you've got those guys on the defense there, um, and, uh, you know, they're just too good. They're too good to... They shot suppress too well. They keep you from shooting. They keep you from the dangerous areas. Uh, and then not only that, but they can break the other way uh, at the blink of an eye and just leave you totally exposed. It's not good enough. Uh, I really did think coming into this series that there was a chance that the Blues could mismatch the Avalanche, and maybe we can still see that. Uh, but Game 1 certainly didn't show us enough, and they're going to need to be substantially different in Game 2 uh, to have a prayer of competing in this series. Is it must-win? Yes, because uh, they're not coming back from 2 nothing against the Avalanche. That's case closed. I don't have a lot more to say. Um, you know, the other series have all kind of half-started. Uh, I love... The I would love uh, Tom Wilson to get brained at some point, um, but you know I don't really care who wins that series. Otherwise, uh, whichever team has the best chance of beating Toronto if they escape the North, that's really my only concern. Uh, my concerns in this these playoffs are twofold. Make sure that Toronto, uh, in particular, and the North in general, although I'm more sympathetic to Connor McDavid winning the Cup by himself, uh, make sure that those guys don't win. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, just rooting for the Blues however far they get, even if it's not very far. Other than that, I'm fine with pretty much anybody. Nobody in this um, playoffs disgusts me very much. Nobody upsets me. Um, Nashville, obviously, I don't want to win, but they're not gonna. They got, uh, they got slapped around by uh, Carolina tonight. And, and let me close with that, because that's actually a great... A great comparison. If you are a Blues fan uh, who feels pretty, you know, is tr searching for the positives in tonight's game, which is certainly your right to do, um, the Hurricanes outshot the Predators 38 to 24. Um, <laughs> there were a hundred hits in that game. Uh, said a very trigger happy scorekeeper in Carolina, um, and uh, they won. Five to two. Ironically, the game was tied at two going into the third period, uh, and then the Hurricanes scored three unanswered goals um, to 
win the game five to two. Now, if you looked at that game at any point and thought, man, the Predators are really outclassed by the Hurricanes and uh, they should be embarrassed and ha ha ha, sucks to be a Predators fan, then maybe reconsider how you feel about the Blues. And again, my goal isn't to make you feel bad about the Blues or give up on the series. My goal is only to be realistic about this team and where they are, because I think if we're realistic about where they are, we can uh, be not that it's our within our purview or our ability to be watchmen, for lack of a better word, but we can be uh, on guard to making sure that the team tries to continue to improve and we can demand more from the organization and the team. Um, and uh, that's where I want us all to be. If, if the team isn't good enough, I need us to admit they're not good enough, not to beat up on the boys or, or be you know, not have fun, but just to be honest about where the team is and and try to move forward in a better direction. So that's my hope. Uh, If we lose the series, that will be my hope. Uh, If we turn it around and win the series, I will be just as excited as anyone. Um, And I will root for them all the way, of course, until they are no longer playing. Um, And, uh, you know, just to give your night a little bit of joy, uh, if you're fans of the movie, um, School of Rock, uh, it is trending on Twitter today that Frankie and Marta from that uh, fantastic film are now dating as a couple in real life in their, you know, probably mid-30s. So good for them. Um, folks, thank you if you've listened to what is now approaching 40 minutes of me speaking uh, on my own and making up sponsors as I go along. You truly are uh, more dedicated, a more dedicated fan of this podcast than I am of, of this hockey team. And that's saying a lot. So, uh, hopefully Ian and I will find time to record later this week, maybe on Thursday after we have a little bit more of reflection time, but it is the playoffs and it is 2G1C tradition, uh, that we get you an episode after every game if possible. So even if it means staying up till 1am, which it has at this point uh, with four minutes to spare, um, then it's worth it to talk about this team and chat about hockey some. So let me know what you think. If you have any thoughts, questions that we can cover next time, uh, do your thing. Let us know on Twitter. We'll talk real soon. Uh, Have a great night. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hole.